Welcome to the Go to Rim podcast with your hosts, Sophia Garcia and Tasca Narisha. Tune in as we interview those affected by childhood cancer, gather their perspectives, and help others find comfort in their expertise. Today, we'll be discussing the future of cancer. So the reason why I think it's kind of important is because a lot of times we discuss um, present time treatments and um, what's going on with research right now. But I think it'd be interesting to see how research now can possibly improve or create new uh, treatments for cancer. Yeah, I agree. And also, um, I think it's just cool to learn about the future of what's come with cancer treatment, because we know that cancer treatment has evolved a lot from the start of time. And a lot of new technologies coming out, a lot of like the research I found, like, it was, there was some mentioning of like AI and how that will impact and like new technologies and how that will just impact cancer treatment. So I think it's just interesting considering that our world is very technology based right now, and seeing how like that will impact as like we become more technology based, how that will impact cancer treatments in the future. Um, so I guess like I could go into some things that I found in my research. Um, so one thing that I found is that most Americans think that cancer technology advancements are key to lowering um, incidence rates and improving life expectancy and also bring us closer to a cure for cancer. Um, but then one thing I found was that I saw this source that linked like a lot of doctors and what they thought the like next 10 years of cancer treatment would evolve to and one doctor said that there will never be a cure for cancer per se but that like the treatments will improve so that the likeliness of someone getting cancer um and the and likeliness that the cancer is like deadly is less likely so I just thought that was really interesting because I think a lot of times people um like kind of frame it as looking for a cure when like a lot of times that may not be as realistic or um that just may be like the one perspective that one doctor but um yeah um, so first, I thought it would, it would be best to focus on, like, the challenges of um, being able to obtain, like, better treatments or um, better treatment plans. And um, one of them that I found was being able to identify a common therapeutic um, target or designing personalized treatment strategies, because a lot of times, even with the same tumor, it varies greatly among individuals. So it can be hard to develop a treatment that actually um, helps a lot of people that are going through cancer. Another thing is, um, we talked about this, is drug resistance. And over time, cancer cells can develop resistance towards treatments over time. And like um, this can lead to treatment failure and disease progression. And um, uh, it can like involve genetic altercations or adaptive changes or tumor micro environment interactions. And so that that kind of poses a significant challenge in cancer treatment. Also, um, detecting cancer at an early age um, is the most treatable, but it remains such a big challenge for certain types of cancer. And so being able to develop like highly sensitive or specific screening tests can be really challenging, like identifying reliable biomarkers or implementing like effective um, population-wide screening programs can be challenging. I think that kind of relates back to like maybe the um, social and economic gaps within our society. We talked about how cancer differs among um, various um, um, groups because of economic difficulties or racial inequalities. And I feel like that could also play a part as well, being able to, um, have treatment that reaches reaches like the general public and um, a wider audience. And also there's limited treatment options, even with significant advancements made in cancer treatments, cancer still has limited treatment options or no targeted therapies available. 
Um, and they, and cancer has become resistant to existing treatments. So that makes it also challenging to effective therapies. Um, are there any challenges that you found? Um, yeah, a lot of, I found a lot of the same thing with you said with personalized cancer care, how like there needs to be less of a one size fits all thing, um, which there is like currently right now. Um, and then another th challenge I found was that a lot of times like one treatment will not work like sufficiently when targeting like a tumor or a cancer in a specific area of the body. So um, there's like, going to be like a bigger role for combination therapy in the next 10 years specifically. Um, a lot of doctors like in their perspectives were that um, there's going to be more like of the combination therapy, which is like combinations of drugs that target multiple different hallmarks of the cancer um, in order to like better drive patient outcomes. So that was just one of the challenges I found. Um, and then I also found like with what you said about diagnosis, how um, being able to diagnose something earlier is it makes it easier to treat it. And then um, I also found something interesting about how early on in his presidency, um, Biden kind of, I think he, I'm not sure if it was exactly implemented yet, but I'm pretty sure it is going to be implemented. Um, it's this program that is meant to like improve the way that we, uh, I guess, target cancers. So um, the program had four different like pillars and um, I will just read them all out. So the first pillar was to include more people in expanded and modernized cancer clinical trials. The second one was to increase the pipeline of new cancer drugs. And the third one was to ensure access to current and new standards of cancer care. And the fourth one was to enhance diversity in the cancer research workforce. So the program is just like it as a whole, like trying to improve the condition, like how we, um, how efficiently we target cancer and um, how, how efficiently we treat it, which I thought was interesting because I hadn't heard about the program before. Um, and then I also found a lot about how like previous years, of like cancer milestones, I guess, or for like cancer treatment milestones um, and how that will kind of like contribute to what's to come. So I guess I can read through some of that. So I found that in 2017, the first cancer gene therapy was approved by the FDA. Um, and this was adding the CAR gene to the T cells of the immune system. Um, and this led to like complete remission in youngest patients of acute lymphoblastic leukemia. And then in 2021, um, there was molecular profiling, which identifies epigenetic profiles and molecular features of a disease, and it helps match selected therapies to a patient. So if a patient is like between like what therapies would work best for it, um, the molecular profiling allows them to know what therapies are like best used for them. And then 2022 is like the closest to us. Um, and I learned more about the role of COVID um, because people or I guess doctors are saying that the ability of our our mRNA vaccines to be mass produced cost effectively throughout the COVID-19 pandemic kind of shows that it could be used or similar vaccines could be used to manage and prevent difficult to treat cancers. Um, and I didn't even think about how the two would be intertwined. So I thought that was really interesting because with what you said about the personals, personalized cancer care, um, there could be like personalized vaccines that could help treat difficult to treat cancers.
Yeah, and also your program kind of reminds me of a problem that I um, kind of found during my research was that um, being able to translate like research finding into actual clinical applications or implementing them in routine patient care, um, which can be challenging. So bridging that gap between like basic research discoveries and then clinical practices um, requires like a lot of efficient translation pipelines or like clinical trials or like regulatory uh, approvals by the healthcare system. System. And also the program also kind of um, reminds us of like the significant burden it can place on like patients with the healthcare system because of the cost of cancer treatments. So being able to make these advanced treatments affordable and cost efficient um, kind of remains as a challenge to ensure like the accessibility for cancer care for all people. And then also another thing that I found interesting was that um, the need for collaboration amongst scientists and like the industry or like patient advocates or policymakers. Um, what I realized was um, that we have to enhance sort of this communication or like um, make the collaborations better um, and break down sort of the barriers between these professions because um, then that's the only way we'll be able to address the complex challenges of cancer. And then also another thing that I found was like the post-treatment survivorship. As more patients survive cancer, um, long-term survivorship care becomes increasingly important. Um, I feel like a lot of times we focus on um, cancer treatment as in like um, during their journey with cancer and when they're taking these cancer treatments. But I feel like after um, they go through cancer, it's also important to address like the physical and emotional or psychosocial uh, social needs of cancer survivors and managing like the treatment related um, side effects and like ensuring that there is follow-up care, uh, which can also like be challenging for healthcare systems and kind of ties back to like the um, cost, um, like the cost, um, of cancer treatment, which, like I said, like is a significant burden for patients and healthcare systems. Yeah, and with what you were saying about um, kind of doctors need to communicate more, I found that as the field advances, um, it's thought that cancer physicians will transition to become like clinical immunologists, which is basically meaning that they're going to do like a lot more research in the field about um, kind of figuring out ways to like harness the potential of the immune system to control cancer um and they're like researching different therapies so like kind of thinking about how like doctors like are typically separate from researchers and obviously there are doctors that are researchers but kind of like that parallel like seeing that more um as cancer advances because there's a lot of research that needs to be done um because a lot of different things are being discovered and tried out um like one thing that i found was that there's there has been the emergence of radiopharmaceutical therapy in recent years, which is pretty new. Um, and it's emerging currently as a safe and effective targeted approach to treating many types of cancer. And um, this therapy is different from other therapies because um, it's not like traditional radiation. This radiation is more systemically or locally delivered rather than all throughout the body. And it's less dependent on the understanding of signaling pathways and identifying agents. And then I also found that a, one type of immunotherapy, neoadjuvant immunotherapy, will be approved and applied on a larger scale. And this would help to minimize the risks of surgery on bulky cancers. So a lot of like the different therapies that I'm finding are emerging and like are thought to emerge in the next few years um, are just kind of to ensure the safety of patients. Like with what you're saying, like patients need aftercare. And um, a lot of what I found in research is just kind of how, kind of how to make the treatment process a smoother and um, 
less like long like to limit the long lasting side effects of many treatments so by trying to make them like safer for patients obviously the treatments are still hard on the body but like they're becoming more developed and um as as a result like patients will be better off after after care and after going through these surgeries and different treatments yeah and i um you mentioned like immunotherapy um and like the immuno system um and I found information on that, like the immune checkpoint inhibitors, and they're like drugs that block the proteins on immune cells or like cancer cells that prevent um, immune responses. And like what I found was that by blocking these proteins, uh, immune checkpoint inhibitors, like they unleash the immune system, allowing it to recognize and attack cancer cells more efficiently. Um, and then what I also found was CART cell therapy. And it's a personalized treatment approach where a patient's own T cells are genetically engineered to um, express like specific receptors. Um, and these receptors kind of enable the T cells to recognize and target cancer cells with specific antigens, um, like sort of enhancing like the immune response against the cancer. And then another thing that I found was TIL therapy. And this involves like the immune cells um, and taking it from the patient's tumor. And then they're able to expand it and then reinfuse it into the patient. And the goal here is to enhance the immune response against the cancer again. And it's by utilizing the patient's own tumor targeting um, immune cells. And then what I found were um, these antibodies that are actually laboratory produced antibodies, and they can be designed to recognize and bind to specific cells, I mean, targets on cancer cells. And um, this can allow for cancer cells sort of to be marked for destruction and for the immune system to deliver toxins or radioactive substance directly to cancer cells. Um, and also another thing that I found um, you kind of touched on this was um, AI, artificial intelligence. And so what I found was that it can analyze like large data sets and enhance cancer diagnosis and treatment planning and drug discovery. And it can kind of assist in identifying identifying patterns or predicting outcomes or improving decision, decision making for doctors. So I think that's pretty cool, especially because um, with like this year, we kind of see like the emergence of like artificial intelligence. And I think it would be interesting to see how we can apply that to future cancer research and treatment. Yeah, I also found that like besides AI, also virtual reality could be used in cancer treatments and like decision-making, like I said. And I think this is really interesting. Like I personally find AI like intriguing, but I guess it also could be seen as like scary in a way because um like decisions within cancer treatment are very important for patients. And um, kind of like having that be more in the hands of like computer intelligence can be a little scary. Um, but I definitely think it's cool that with all the technology that we have, like we see it advancing. And also with how um, on, like understaffed certain hospitals are and how many patients they have coming in, I think that artificial intelligence could be a positive um, like thing for a lot of hospitals and a lot of patients. Um, Another kind of side of this that I found was that a lot of the advancements that are coming are kind of changing the perception of how patients and people in general view treat cancer treatments. Um, so one thing that I found is that treatments for patients that are considered like incurable or advanced and metastatic cancers will be like, they'll have a combination of approaches. So um, it kind of changes the perception that a cancer, just because you have a certain cancer means that it's incurable because there's gonna be a lot of different, like which what, with what I was saying before, there's a lot of like combination drug therapies um, and using like a lot of different approaches rather than just targeting with one approach. 
so that it is a more like it seems easier for it like their chances of survival are more likely and it's like easier to grasp for people when they may be like struggling with kind of just having the thought of like an incurable cancer um and I think that's really important because we've talked a lot about mental health on the podcast and how um physical health is really tied in with mental health especially during treatment so I feel like changing that perception even though it's like a small change um and just like saying like saying that there's a lot of different approaches that could be taken I think that's a like a really positive thing because a lot of times it could be a lot to handle on someone um and I just thought that was really interesting because I hadn't thought about how the perception plays a role in a while yeah and I think that's really important like changing that perception because like I said um like everyone reacts to cancer differently even if you have like the same type of cancer the same type of tumor everyone's body is different and so like um precision medicine is also we've talked about this before but um precision medicine also stands as a potential um future cancer treatment and it's like the advancements in um, sequencing and personalized medicine um and Researchers are currently exploring like targeted therapies based on an individual's genetic profile. Um, and it provides like an effective or tailored treatment for patients. Um, and they do this by studying an individual's DNA and researchers can identify like genetic variations, mutations or altercations um, that may contribute to like the diseases like development or influence the treatment response because a lot because we talked about how a lot of times um cancer treatment doesn't work because cancer cells develop like a resistance towards these treatments so i think that would really help um because it would help us find like a selection of targeted therapies um and also what i found interesting was that they identify and utilize like biomarkers um, to diagnose um, diseases and determine like the prognosis and guide treatment um, decisions, which is sort of similar to what I said about like artificial intelligence and how it can um, help for um, like the medical team to um, decide on decisions for the patient. And then, like I said, um, it uses like targeted therapies, which are like drugs or treatment designed um, to act on the molecular genetic altercations driving a patient's disease. And um, um, this leads to um, the studying of individuals' genetic makeup and how it affects um, their response to medication. Also, another thing that I found was liquid biopsies, and this involves analyzing blood samples to detect the um, tumor and the DNA and proteins and other biomarkers. And this serves as like um, being able to provide early cancer detection or monitor treatment responses and identify resistant mechanisms, which is important for two situations that we mentioned, which was um, being able to find a treatment that can detect cancer early and also finding treatment that doesn't um, make the cancer cells develop a resistance towards them. And um, uh, this can be done through ctDNA, which um, refers to the fragments of tumor DNA that are released into the bloodstream by dying cancer cells, and by analyzing them, they can provide information about the genetic mutation or altercations pre present in the tumor. Um, and there's another thing called circulating tumor cells (CTCs), and this is um, intact cancer cells that have been that have been detached from primary tumors and enter the bloodstream. And they can analyze these to gain sort of like an insight into the tumors like genetic makeup or characteristic or um, uh, their biology. And also, um, 
Another thing is exosomes, which are small membrane-bound uh, vessels um, released by cells, including cancer cells, into the bloodstream. And they contain like protein and um, RNA, and um, this can help analyze, um, gain information about the tumor's like molecular profile and the potential role in disease progression. Um, and uh, un did you find anything else? Um, not exactly. I found a lot more about like doctor perspectives and like what they think. So like the last thing I had was kind of about this doctor. Um, that was just saying that like with what I mentioned at the beginning that cancers like will never like cure cancer in general, but like just focusing on like preventing more cases and like overall like like protecting the safety of patients. Um, I also found like I think this is probably the most interesting one that that I found was cancer vaccines. Um, it's kind of something that I didn't imagine would be like a potential, um, like treatment in the future. And what I found was that it is to help prevent certain types of cancer or like to make sure that the immune system actually targets cancer cells. Um, and I think this is pretty like important because it's not only for like a treat potential treatment, um, but it's also for prevention. So it kind of um, reduces the chance of um, not only like having a better outcome with cancer, but also like preventing ever getting cancer as well. So I think I find that really interesting. Kind of relates back to like um, like the COVID-19 vaccines, like how you talked about the mRNA. And, um, and I think it's pretty interesting how they're taking like inspiration from like COVID-19 vaccines and, and like what we've done. Um, with COVID and with the pandemic and how we can use that for future cancer research and treatment. Yeah, I think I don't think that was one of the more like interesting things that I found in my research. Um, because we never really think about how like the there could be like cancer vaccines kind of doesn't sound like a thing that would be, or at least to me, like I didn't think that about that before this. Um so I think it's really interesting. It just kind of shows how like technology can be used in so many different ways to create so many different things. Um and I think it's just it's kind of exciting to see because We've already seen that cancer treatments have come so far and they're becoming way more efficient and a lot better for patients as, and also like the same thing with like aftercare as you were saying before um and i think that um it's really interesting to see like as we do go into the next 10 years how like the treatments will progress and whether or not it will be as expected or like whether we'll see more developments or things like that if you or someone you know are looking to support childhood cancer patients and help them experience a better childhood but are stuck on how, Cancer Kids First may be the answer for you. Cancer Kids First is a nonprofit organization started by high schooler Olivia Zhang that aims to improve the childhoods of cancer patients. We volunteer work donations, fundraising, the creation of this podcast. Those working with Cancer Kids First works to further its mission. If you're interested, go to www.cancercancerfirst.org slash get involved to get involved. Another way to support the mission of Cancer Kids First is to listen to this podcast and follow us on our Instagram and TikTok at Gordon Podcast and Twitter at TGR underscore on air. You can also get in touch with us through our email, thegoatroompodcast at gmail.com. Episodes will be airing two times a month. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Goldroom Podcast. If you have any ideas for or want to be involved with future episodes, make sure to check out the link in our Instagram bio. Have a nice day and we'll see you in the next episode. Bye. <laughs>